0: each one in Bible study. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. Again, this is part 2 and it'll be a part 3. We're in verses 11 to 12. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 11 and 12. And we're teaching on the theme of this book, living in a crisis. So if you're going through any crisis, crises in your life, maybe this will have some application. Well, one of the things that we need to do in a crisis is is to make decisions. And the word, the Greek word, crisis, it's K-R-I-S-I-S, crisis. I don't know how the Greeks would say it. It means decision. So living in a crisis requires that we make decisions. And one of the decisions, verses 11 to 12, 1 Peter chapter 2, we see that we need to make decisions with the perspective of a traveler with a perspective of a traveler. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. So Peter is talking to the church and he said, I'm talking to you like a traveler, a stranger, someone who's not from here, and a pilgrim, someone who's passing through and One of the things, there's some things about about travelers. Uh, Travelers, uh, well, let me, first of all, let me tell a joke. So a doctor can't find a job in a hospital, so he opens up his own clinic, puts a sign outside, get treatment for $20. If not cured, get back $100. So a lawyer who's down in his luck passes by, he's like, oh, I'm going to make me some easy money. And a lawyer goes into the clinic and the lawyer said, uh, Doctor, I've lost my sense of taste. So the doctor says, hmm, nurse, bring medicine from box number 14 and put three drops in the patient's mouth. And when the nurse goes, doink, 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 the lawyer says, oh, this is kerosene. And the doctor says, congrats, your sense of taste is restored, $20. So the lawyer pays up and storms out. Well, the next day, the lawyer is wised up, and he's like, well, I'm going back. I'm going to get my money back. So he comes in, and he says, doctor, and yes, 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 I've lost my memory. I cannot remember anything. And the doctor says, nurse, bring medicine from box number 14, put three drops in his mouth, and the lawyer gets the kerosene on his tongue and said, this is kerosene. You gave this to me last time for restoring my taste. The doctor says, congrats, you got your memory back. $20. (laughs) So the fuming lawyer pays him and then he waits a week, thinks about it, right? Comes back to get his hundred bucks back. I don't know which one is the bigger crook here, but... (laughs) The lawyer kind of comes in, touching things, and he's like, doctor, my eyesight has become very weak. I cannot see at all. And the doctor says, well, you win. Don't have any medicine for that. Take this $100. And the lawyer looks down at the bill and says, this is $20, not $100. The doctor says, congrats. Your eyesight is restored. Give me that $20 back. (laughs) Well, if you've ever been in an airport If you've ever traveled, okay, and you know, you took your shoes off, stuck them in a plastic bin and people tell you what to do, you get in these long lines and you look at a bunch of people that you don't know and maybe uh, you're in a foreign country and people are speaking a language. I was in Egypt many years ago and I heard people saying, yalla, yalla, yalla. And so I figured I don't speak Arabic, but I think this means hurry up and it actually does. But so. One of the things that uh, you you do in, in an airport is you don't really fight over plastic bins. Why? You're just passing through. It's not personal. You know, it's not your bathroom. You wait in a line with everybody else to use it. Here, you can have my plastic shoe bin. And one of the things we need to remember passing through as Christians, yes, you have to take things seriously. Hey, but let's not take things personally. Why? Because I'm a stranger, I'm a pilgrim, and Peter says, hey, I'm just passing through uh david in a psalm said yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i'll fear no evil he said for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me he said i'm in uncomfortable territory but i'm going through and travelers aren't there to stay travelers are going through say preacher but i'm going through a rough time well don't stay there someone says i'm going through uh the bad place i know the words in the bible but people think you can't say it right i'm going through he double hockey sticks right what do i do keep going you know that's what we should do if we passing through we should keep going so uh he addresses first is strangers and pilgrims so there's something about strangers and pilgrims when you're traveling you have a destination, right? You don't just go to the airport, walk around, and buy an overpriced meal. At the, <laughs> what are you doing? You're going somewhere, right? That's why I'm at the train station, the bus station, the, the airport. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, this is ex- exemplified in Abraham. He said, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. God just said, go, I'll show you later. And it said, by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, which are tents, temporary dwellings, right? With Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. And then it said in verse 10, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, not a tent or a trailer if you're from Florida, right? whose builder and maker is God. You know, that the, the goal of Christians is to make it not just a church, and that's a good place to go, but Christians are travelers that are really on their way to heaven, and that's where they have their priorities, and they kind of base those things as other things. They're important, but I'm just passing through. I'm on my way to heaven, and that is how I prioritize my life. Jesus, when he talked to his disciples in John 14, he said, in my father's house are many mansions. And then he said, if it were not so, I would have told you. And then he said, I go to prepare a place for you. He said, that's your destination. I'm going to fit your mansion for you. And he said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. also. And Thomas got a little confused and he said, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? It's another thing you have as a traveler. You have a destination, but you have a way to get there, right? And Jesus said to Thomas in John 14 and verse 6, he said, I am the way. I'm how you get to heaven. I'm the staircase, right? It's not Led Zeppelin's stairway to heaven. It's Jesus. That's how you get to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And insomuch that Paul said, "To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord." If I'm gone from here, if I fall down, uh, I was reading about uh, who's that guy? Who's the? He wrote the Skinny Rules, and he had a Bob Harper. He had a heart attack when he was working CrossFit, and it was called a Widowmaker. It was a cardiac arrest. It just stopped. It didn't get blocked, but his heart just completely stopped. He was dead and he fell down on the ground. Well, since they're doing CrossFit, it's, I was reading that it's not unnormal for CrossFitters to kind of just hit the ground because they're so tired. So people kind of let him sit there for about a minute before someone realized there's something really wrong with this guy. And by the grace of God, uh, they had some doctors there, so he's still alive because of the quick actions and the grace of God. But uh, Paul said, if I, my heart stops beating, I'll already be up in heaven. I don't have to wait at the pearly gates and answer trivia questions with Peter, okay? Although those jokes are really funny when you read about them, right? But we also need, Well, so there's a destination for travelers, there's a path for travelers, and there's a guide. And that's really what I want to talk about this evening is the guide. We need a guide in unfamiliar territory. We sing this song called I'm Resolved. And in one of the, one of the, 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 uh stanzas if you please it says taught by the bible but then it says led by the spirit will walk the heavenly way so well preacher how do i walk in this world and yes you're supposed to read your bible we have a guide to get us from where we are here All the way to heaven, step by step. And that's why it says in Proverbs, lean not unto your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him. And then Jesus physically is not going to move you, but God's going to direct your paths. And you know what? Sometimes they might not be paths that others might choose, and people might say, Well, I don't understand why you're making that decision. Well, I'm going to tell you why I'm making that decision. I'm going to heaven. We read throughout the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts, it's really the Acts of the Holy Ghost. And you read in Acts chapter 8 and verse 29, Philip was led by the Holy Ghost. He was the guide of Philip. And every Christian is going to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, however you want to choose to follow the Spirit of God, it's up to us. But the Bible says in Acts eight twenty nine, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot when he was going to minister to the eunuch. So the Philip was guided by the Holy Ghost. And then when you read that Peter in Acts chapter 11, verse 12, it said, the Spirit bade me go with them. So the Spirit said, hey, go with these three that are from the centurion's house. So Peter went with them. And then it said Paul in Acts chapter 16. The Bible says that uh, the Holy Ghost says, don't preach over here in Asia. But the Bible said, a vision appeared to Paul in the night and there stood a man of Macedonia. That's what we know as the Macedonian call. Come over and help us. And then Paul, he was led, he said, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them, they took off into Macedonia. So the Holy Ghost leads the believers. That's what it says. And Jesus started it out. Jesus in Luke chapter four, when he got uh, Jesus... uh, received that baptism of the Holy Ghost, that dove came down and abode upon him as an example for us. Not that he was a sinner or anything, but he was showing us what promise awaited us, and he was the example. So in Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, the Bible says that Jesus being, excuse me, Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit, where? into the wilderness you know sometimes the holy ghost will lead you into places that other people are like what's going on what was he what was he gonna go there for to beat the devil and he said well not just to you know to fast for 40 days and 40 nights but to show that by the word of god you can win and then the bible says in verse 14 same chapter after jesus had beaten the devil three times that we know of he denied the devil the devil left And then this Bible says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. So if God can take you out, God can bring you back, and you're not going to be all worn down. And one of the reasons we have fellowship meetings is that people get worn down, but they need that injection of fellowship. And I've heard that people are even coming from Graham Washington. I mean, it's going to be Chicago, Graham Washington, Uh, I've heard that maybe Sister Patterson's brother was uh, thinking about coming from Pittsburgh. There are people coming from all over, and we're going to have a Holy Ghost good time. But it's the Spirit of God that instructs uh, instructs and strengthens the church. And the Bible says that when Jesus, right after this, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel now you might know this already but the word anointed that's where we get the word messiah jesus the messiah if you're wondering why they called him the messiah it's the word the hebrew word for anointing like with uh they would anoint people with olive oil well why was jesus called anointed because they would anoint one thing they would anoint kings so jesus was the coming king But it's interesting that he's called the Anointed One because he was anointed with the what? The Spirit. Now, the New Testament word for anointed is not Messiah, but from the Greek, it's Christos. So they called him Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the Anointed, or Jesus, the Christ. And so when believers began to be recognized, what did they call them? Jesus followers. No, they called them Christians they recognize the power of the anointing of the spirit of god directing their lives now i'm just sharing this because people see christians lives that they're orchestrated kind of in a different way than everybody else you know when when uh the, the holy ghost deals with our heart we don't react in other ways why because the holy ghost gives us power in the inner man paul said that he would grant you in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Like if you have a football or a basketball, if it's really hard, that's because there's more pressure on the inside pushing out than on the outside pushing in. And the spirit of God can keep us from folding and crumbling. Uh, by the power in the inside of it. That's why we need the Spirit of God in our lives. The Bible says, it, Jesus said but in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but ye shall receive power. When? After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. That's the Spirit of God. And ye shall be my witnesses, both unto me, both in Jerusalem, and then he spreads out Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. <laughs> Or the earth jacksonville orange park middleburg wherever you are so then the bible says abstain from fleshly lusts you know before dinner so this is hours ago my neighbor brought over peanut butter chocolate chip cookies were you tempted to eat one before dinner nope i ate six Preacher, I thought you were talking about abstaining from fleshly lusts. You know, you know it's, I love being an adult. I ate my dinner too. And then I ate some more cookies after dinner. I probably ate 10. So preacher, that's not right. You know that when Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish, it said they all did eat and did not count the calories. It said they were filled. So it's not wrong to eat food. I wish people said, well, gluttony is a sin. Showeth me in the Bible. That's a Catholic thing. No offense. Know, but but God did not condemn eating food. Okay? It's a blessing. So I ate some, and I think we even have extras, right? So, look, I, 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 uh, I know that people can take anything to an extreme, but food's a blessing, okay? That's not what God is talking about here. He's talking about other fleshly lusts that are against the... the uh, the word of God, and that will uh, dis- that will give you problems with the Lord Himself. So, how do you overcome fleshly lust? Not cookies; those are good. You overcome a cookie by eating it, right? Galatians chapter five and verse sixteen. This I say, then walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, if you walk in the power of the Holy Ghost, you just won 't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Because the Holy Ghost will lead you in the way that is right before God, and there are many accounts that I could probably share with you where God began to deal with me differently. Uh, because the Bible says that then, then my own ideas, that's why it says, lean not unto your own understanding. Sometimes you think, well, I need to do this. I need to. And the Lord says, no, you need to do that because you see fleshly lusts war against the soul. And that's what the last thing I'd like to speak about. I got about 10 minutes left is I want to try to explain the body, the soul, and the spirit. Have you ever heard that man is made up of body, soul, and spirit? It's true. But do you know that the Bible puts it in a different hierarchy or a different order? Because you know which one is the highest? Well, I'll just read it to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body. So there's the top to the bottom, right? may be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because they're not the same. The, the, the Bible says in Hebrews that the word of God can divide asunder. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, joints and marrow, that's the body, right? And soul and spirit, <laughs> they're different. They're not the same. So if they can be divided, hmm, maybe they're a little bit different. So what are the soul, the spirit, the soul? the body so have you ever read in genesis that when god made man we see this trinity of man god is a trinity and he made man like a trinity so the bible says in genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 and the lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul so the dust of the ground is the body right and then he breathed into his nostrils what? The breath of life. What is that? He created man's spirit. And then what happened after that? After the spirit was put into that dead pile of you know clay, then man became a living soul. One, two, three. I, I like to use, and I really want you to understand this. so if you don't understand this, ask me after church because this is something that people need to understand because there are dynamics that work with this. So here's a light bulb illustration, maybe this will work. So the total man is illustrated inside the light bulb. So the total man, okay? Three parts, electricity, light, and wire. Those three parts. Okay, the electricity is like the spirit. That's where the power comes from, right? The body is that wire that's in the middle of the light that gets really hot, that you can see and touch. And the light is, that's given off by that wire getting really hot, that's like your soul. Soul is intangible, you can't touch it, okay? So the electricity causes the light. The light is the effect of the electricity. The wire is the material substance for carrying the electricity as well as for manifesting the light. So the combination of electricity, wire, produce light like the spirit and the body produce the soul. Does this make sense? Just like God in Genesis chapter two and verse seven, the electricity is carried by the wire and it's expressed in the light, which is like the soul. The spirit expresses itself through the body by the soul. So the spirit is kind of like your God consciousness, right? That's how God deals with us. That's why people kind of like look around when they come to church like, what is that? That's the spirit of God dealing with you. And the soul is our self-conscious. That's us. And the body, well, that's where we get all of our senses, right? So the spirit's the highest and the soul is kind of in the middle, right? It's influenced by the spirit world and by the, the physical world, right? By the senses, right? By... The, the spirit of Krispy Kreme, right? And so there's three stories in the building, okay? If you look at this building illustration, I really wanna to try to emphasize and uh, talk about the body, soul, and spirit. So if you have a three-story building, the third story, the highest is the spirit, right? No windows to the outside world, but the windows are open to heaven. That's where the spirit uh, has windows to because the spirit is what you contact God with. Well, the soul is the second story. It's real dark, no windows. That's kind of in the middle. It gets its information from the third story and from the first story with the stairwells, right? But the body is the first story with the windows open to the world, with your senses, you know, seeing and touching and hearing and feeling. So the soul connects to God and the soul through the body manifests uh, the Spirit's power in our life. So... The spirit gives the soul information from the spiritual world, and the body gives the soul information from the Burger King world, Krispy Kreme world, you know, all those other things. That Those are our senses, right? And they both influence the soul. So the soul is between the two worlds and it will be affected by both. Well, it has free will to decide how it will act. And that's the problem. So when Adam sinned, Adam was told by God, it, um, don't eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day that you do, you're going to die. Well, Adam, he ate, right? He had a choice and he ate anyway of that tree. And uh said, preacher, but he didn't die. Well, he did spiritually, okay? Because God's spirit detached from Adam's spirit adam still had his body soul and spirit but no longer was the holy spirit influencing his life so when jesus came jesus redeemed mankind spiritually when you get saved uh your soul doesn't really change it's still your soul right your body doesn't change it's still your body but what changes when you get saved it's a spiritual work the spirit of god it's like a plug You get plugged back in spiritually to the Lord. That's what happens in salvation. So uh, in Psalms, didn't uh, the the psalmist say, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. A spirit is what communes with God. Uh, When... uh, When Paul was talking about serving God, he said, For God is my witness in Romans chapter 1 and verse 9, whom I serve with my spirit. The Bible says in John, God's a spirit. And if we worship him, we must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. That we serve him. Now our soul, like I said, our soul is us. That's our self-conscious. That's who we are. That's why it says, The soul that sinneth shall surely die. Because that soul makes up its mind whether to serve God and listen to the spirit or not listen to the spirit, listen to itself or listen to that body and follow another pathway. But the Bible says in Romans 8 in verse 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. See, God's spirit is what makes us Christians. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, I'm not time to go through all of it, but it says here, In 8 and 14, Romans 8 and 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So if God had to redeem us with his, redeem our spirit, how did he do that? Well, that is the work of the cross. So when Adam died, what happened? The spirit was detached. And he basically became a walking dead man. He was like, if zombies are real, he was, you know, and and humanity, they're basically the walking dead. They're spiritually dead, but physically alive. And that's why when people come to church, they're like, I've never felt this before. What is that? It's the spirit of God dealing with your spirit. It's not a voice that you hear every day, but Christians ought to. The spirit of God will guide our life into victory, but... The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, notice in Luke chapter 23 and verse 46. Jesus and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, "Into thy hands I commend my what? spirit." And when the spirit left the body, and having thus said thus, he gave up the ghost. So the spirit left the body and Jesus soul went where? To hell. One, two, three. And where did his body go? In the tomb. So we see the Trinity right there. But when the Spirit, uh, when Jesus gave up his Spirit, he died on the cross. There's some choice as to whether our, some people believe that he didn't die, but he got really sick. No, he died on the cross. But before that, you remember when he said something? He said, he was still alive. He said, my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Now, he was still alive. But you know what happened right then? The sins of the whole world were placed upon Jesus. And God took his spirit away from his son. So the Holy Spirit was like a detached, because you see, God can't fellowship with sin, even on his own son. It wasn't because of what he did. But it was our life. And Martin Luther said, he wrote, he said, God forsaken of God, who can know it? I mean, how can you even think about this? But it was to show that Jesus Christ took our sin and the spirit of God left. And then, of course, not long after that, the Bible says that he died on the cross. But when he is preached unto men and women, God is here to redeem men and women Back to him by the spirit to be born again of the spirit of God. And when we're born again, we'll begin to be led of the spirit of God and things will come our way and be like, hey, that's okay, but I'm going to serve God. And it really does come down to being that simple. We just are led of the spirit of God. And so I preach, well, how do I know it's the spirit of God? Invite the Spirit of God to be your leader. Say, hey Lord, deal with my heart and you'll know when God deals with your heart. And the Bible says in verse 12, I'm about out of time, it said, having your conversation, your manner of life, the way you live, honest among the Gentiles. People are looking at Christians' lives to see if we do the things that we say that we do. Whereas whereas they may speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold... Glorify God in the day of visitation. You know that they're going to see that God directs our lives. And they're going to see the works which they shall behold. People are watching Christians' lives to see if we are led by the Spirit of God. And you know, people really need to see Christians be Christians. So I'm about out of time. But living in a crisis, acting as if we're travelers. We have a destination as heaven. We have a pathway to get there. His name is Jesus. And we have a guide. We have the Spirit of God. And if I'm to to abstain from the fleshly lusts of the soul and everything down here, you know the Holy Ghost is enough. The Holy Spirit is enough. Not only to get you past that, but to take you into victory and to give you the peace that passes all understanding. For the Bible says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And God will give us that peace that passes all understanding. It's a blessing to serve the Lord. Let us dismiss in prayer. Brother Belez, would you dismiss us in prayer? Hey, God bless you. See you Thursday.